You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simi, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest on Arsenal's pursuit for a central midfielder. Arta Mello has been heavily linked with a move from Juventus to the Arsenal on loan for the rest of the season. But the latest that we are hearing at the time of recording is that those talks have stalled. Those talks have hit a bit of a brick wall. And this is down to Juventus rather than Arsenal. But we're going to get into more detail around that in just a few minutes time. Let me say a few hellos to those of you joining us live in the chat. Good afternoon uh, to Liam, to Adrian, to Henry, uh, to Arthur, to Mint, to Riddy, to Trevor. I uh, hope you guys are all well and a big hello to everybody else who's with us live or to those, of course, who are watching this or listening to this back on playback. Um, let's go to some of your comments. A uh, big good afternoon to, to Adrian. Henry Gunnar says, morning, H. I was all ready to go to work. See your post pop up. So I suppose I'll go later. Yeah, worry about it later. It's only work. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, Arthur has got a question which we'll come to in a bit. We will take questions uh, a little bit later on in the show. Big hello to Tebow uh, and to the Stilton Avenger as well. Hope, hope you're well, man. I uh, hope you're good. Uh, also, Essential Departure joins us from Canada too. Right, uh, let's get into it then. Let's bring you up to speed with exactly what is going on with regards to Artur Melo, the Juventus midfielder who's been heavily, heavily linked with a move to Arsenal this window. Uh, we're going to come on to talk a little bit uh, about that situation. And we're going to touch on the Vlavic bit as well, because I know a lot of people made a lot of a certain gesture that Dusan Vlavic made during Fiorentina's game last night. But let's stick to the task at hand, or let's stick to the main topic and the main subject, which is, of course, that of Arta Mello. Now, the latest that we're hearing is that Arsenal are looking to bring the player in on loan. Um, they're looking to bring the player in on loan with no obligation to buy and no option to buy at this stage. A bit like the Martin Odegaard deal was, right? Where we bring in the player for that interim. And if we decide or feel that he is worthy of us making a concrete bid in the summer, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But Arsenal at this moment in time's preference is to go out and is to bring Artur Mello into the club on a straight-up loan deal from between now until the end of the season. However, Juventus say that they are looking for a replacement midfielder, and only when they get a replacement in will they sanction the departure of Artur Mello. Now, that's the official word. That's the word doing the rounds. That is what the likes of Fabrizio Romano and co. Uh, are reporting at the moment. So I'm not in a position to say that's not true. I'm not in a position to say that they're wrong. But I do have a theory around this of my own, and I do have a gut feel about this, um, just based off of what I've been hearing, who I've been talking to, uh, and what I've been reading over the last few days. And it seems to me that Juventus are desperate, absolutely desperate, to protect the value of Artur Mello, who, of course, joined the club for a huge, huge fee, around about 70-odd million euros. Um, and, and as I understand it, 
Juventus don't want to be in a position where they're making a huge loss on this player. And hence their preference that Arsenal have an obligation to buy clause in there so that they can at least guarantee themselves a certain amount of money coming in at the summer. Now, this is my view and, and nothing more than my view, but I feel like Juventus saying we need to find a replacement midfielder is actually a bit of a red herring. And actually what Juventus is saying, well, these are our terms. This is how we want to do this deal. Take it or leave it. I don't believe that Juve are looking for a replacement midfielder uh, before they will sanction a deal that allows Arturo Melo to leave the club. And the reason I don't believe that is because they're pretty heavy in that position at this moment in time. Um, when you look at the squad, and I'm, I'm just bringing up the squad uh, on my screen, um, you look at their options in that central midfield area. Let me just share this uh, for you guys watching us on YouTube so you can see for yourselves. It feels to me like Juventus have got plenty of options in that particular area of the pitch. I mean, you look at this, uh, for example, uh, let me just blow that up a little bit for you guys. Uh, you've got Manuel Locatelli, a player that came in from Sassuolo, a player that we were also heavily linked with. Artur is obviously there. Weston McKenney is an option. Rodrigo Bentancourt, Adrian Rabio. Aaron Ramsey, all of those guys are central midfield players. So to me, this kind of narrative of, oh, well, Allegri wants to wait and bring somebody in before he'll sanction Arto's departure. It feels like a bit of a red herring for me. It doesn't quite make sense. You've also got to take into account that Arto is clearly not uh, in Allegri's plans. He's clearly not a player that Allegri sees as a starter. And so if it if allowing him to move on gives Juventus the capacity to then go and bring somebody in who's a little bit more suited to what it is that Allegri wants to do, then why would he be against it? I don't think he is against it. I think this is a case, and again, this is just my opinion as opposed to concrete fact, but it is just my opinion that Juventus have no problem with allowing Arto to go as long as they can get some kind of obligation clause in there which protects at least a large chunk of his value and means that they'll recuperate a fairly large sum for him come the summer, regardless of how that loan goes. You know, he could come to Arsenal and he could not really hit the ground running. You've also got to remember that this is a player who's never played in the Premier League and I believe has a very specific skill set, uh, a skill set that suits this area and that would probably suit La Liga, but just maybe there would still be question marks over whether it suits the Premier League. And I think I've, I've compared him in the past to Jorginho. I think that they are similar in a lot of ways, the way he sits in front of that back line, but isn't necessarily your physical and, and particularly mobile central midfield player. That's not what his game's about. It's, a, it's the short passing game. He wants to get on the ball. He wants to dictate play. He wants to set the rhythm and he wants to set the tempo. So just like Jorginho, I envisage that there will be a bit of a settling in period and I envisage that there will be... Um, you know, some difficulties in, in making that adaptation right at the start. So for Juve, they probably know that. They're well aware of that. They know Artur inside out in comparison to what we know and probably feel like they don't want to let him go, leave themselves not short because we've just looked at the players that they've got, but weaken their squad ultimately for Arsenal to then go, no, actually this didn't work out. Here you go, take him back. So I think Juve, as I say, are desperately trying to uh, bring in some money, albeit in the summer. They're looking for a way of protecting at least a percentage of the investment that they made in Artur in the first place. And I think this is where we're at. I think this is why 
the talks don't really seem to be progressing all that much. We understand that Artur is more than happy to leave Juventus, that Arsenal is a destination he'd actually quite like to come to. But of course, um, it feels like Juventus are holding this deal up because they have a certain set of terms that they would prefer and they're going to make us sweat and they're going to make us wait until the final, I, re I reckon, days of this window. Um, if indeed they are going to basically back down, which at this moment in time, I'm not sure that they will. Um, also, there's been some talk over the last few days that Juventus have indicated they would like to take Thomas Partey the other way. I don't think that that's true. Uh, first of all. Uh, but second of all, there's no way that Arsenal could potentially sanction a deal like that. You know, we're supposed to be strengthening in that very, very important area of the park. And actually to allow Thomas Partey to go would be taking a step backwards. And actually, if it's Partey or Artur right now, I'd rather keep Thomas Partey because I think he's had that adaptation period. I think he is getting better after some ups and downs. Um, and, and I think he's really, really important to the team. So, um, yeah, uh, and, and and also going back to the Juve thing uh, with regards to kind of why they prefer to have this kind of deal, uh, a deal which sees them almost guarantee, well, definitely guarantee a sum of money coming in this summer is because we know how Juventus like to play the transfer market. We know that Juventus like to do loans with obligations to buy when they're bringing players in. They've done it time and time again in recent seasons. It's a much more common thing in Italy than it is here in the Premier League. And we understand that they are interested in Leon's Bruno Gimaraish. Now, Bruno Gimaraish is, of course, uh, a player that Arsenal have been linked with as well. Uh, and it's understood that Leon would be happy to accept uh, an, a loan with an obligation to buy Bruno Gimaraish for around about 40 million euros in the summer. All of this kind of makes me think, well, what is actually going on with Arsenal and their reported interest in Bruno Gimaraes? Because he, you know, is supposedly someone that's right at the top of our list. Well, we know what it takes to get him. And Arsenal haven't been afraid or shy to back uh, Mikel Arteta when needed uh, in the transfer market. So why haven't we made this move? It makes me think, suspect even, that Arsenal's interest in Bruno Gimaraes isn't quite as hot as, uh, as, as some people are making it out to be. Uh, moving on, uh, let's talk a little bit uh, about uh, some more stories that are doing the rounds with regards to the Arsenal. Of course, Matteo Genduzzi's uh, future is in doubt with Marseille having been handed a transfer ban. Now, this came to light a couple of days ago. And ever since then, I've seen a lot of stuff on Twitter uh, and a lot of conversations going on around what that means for the French midfielder. Will he be coming back to Arsenal? We know that his contract uh, was extended last season. Um, the, the, the additional year was on there and it comes to an end at the end of this campaign uh, initially. But I think Arsenal have, have done something where they triggered an additional year that would allow uh, Mars, that would allow him to be, remain, sorry, an Arsenal player and then Marseille to sign him. There's an obligation to buy if certain clauses are met in place. But because that deal was agreed prior to their ban. Can they still go ahead with that? I've got to be honest, I'm not sure. I don't know the answer to that. So I do want to dig a little bit deeper into that and try and understand exactly how the ground lays in terms of that, because there's been a lot of back and forth between Arsenal fans on social media, I've noticed over the last few days, and I'm not sure any of us really understand the impact of Marseille's transfer ban and what that means going forward. Um, in other news, uh, Miguel Aziz and Tyrese John-Jules have both been recalled from their loan spells at Portsmouth and Blackpool, respectively. The pair will return to help out the squad because, of course, 
Arsenal are very, very short. And listen, this is a move out of desperation. Okay, you don't go and pull back young players who have gone out on loan, um, you know, uh, to 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 bring them back into a squad where they're unlikely to play because you just want to take precautions. You do it because you're desperate. You're you're halting their development. Agreed that Miguel Aziz wasn't having the greatest time at Portsmouth. Uh, I'm not really sure how Tyrese John Jules was doing. I think he'd scored a few goals and was being was being talked about in a much higher esteem than Miguel Aziz. Not because Aziz is a is a bad player, but because it just didn't really work out uh with Pompey. So those two are coming back. And there's been some other links as well. We've heard uh, Jeannie Vinaldum is someone that Arsenal may turn their attentions to if indeed uh, the the kind of hold-up continues with regards to Artur Melo, that the PSG midfielder is keen on a move back to the Premier League and that he could be available on loan. We've also read today that Arsenal have made an audacious approach to Manchester United to try and get hold of Donny van der Beek. And, and to be honest, um, you know, I... I don't really know what to make of all this. I think we have to kind of prepare ourselves for the fact that this could well be quite an underwhelming window. And I guess, you know, when you look at the situation as it is now and you look at the fact that Ghana uh, play Comoros tonight in the African Cup of Nations and Ghana could potentially crash out the competition, which would mean a return ahead of schedule for Thomas Partey, you then have to start to think, well, we've left it so late and we've kind of gone so deep into this window now without having acquired the players that we wanted to, do we now just suck it up, swallow it, get our players back from the AFCON and continue as you were? Um, or do we continue to press forward in terms of trying to bring someone in? Look, I think with Maitland-Niles going, we were a player short in that position anyway. So I think that, um, you know, it's it's right that Arsenal are in the market and they're looking. But I'm also really wary and conscious and mindful of the fact that we've done this in the past. We've gone out and bought players into the football club who were never going to be long-term solutions, who were always just going to be stop gaps. And then we've struggled to move those guys on. Uh, so, yeah, that's a, that's a worry and a concern of mine. But we're being linked with a whole host of players. And obviously, uh, as the window approaches the latter stages, then I'm sure any activity, if Arsenal are actually involved in activity, is going to accelerate because it simply has to. Let's take some of your questions uh, from the live chat box as well. But before that, if, we, if you're listening via the audio platforms, here's a quick message with regards to our sponsor. Welcome back to part two of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the 90 Min Football Network. We're going to be taking some of your questions and thoughts for the remainder of the show with regards to the news that we've been discussing this afternoon. Let's uh, quickly take you through a roundup once more. Arsenal's talks with Juventus are said to have hit a bit of a brick wall over the Brazilian midfielder Artur, with Juventus said to be looking and hoping to bring in a replacement midfielder prior to allowing the Brazilian to leave. However, I believe that this is more to do with the fact that Juventus want to get that obligation to buy clause in. Uh, more than anything else. I don't think that Juve are particularly short in that area. It's clear that he's not a big part of Max Allegri's plans. So for me, that feels like the more likely reason behind the stall. Uh, we understand that Arto is quite happy to join Arsenal and actually quite willing. Uh, but of course, we're in a place where it's in the club's hands. Uh, also, we've heard that... Um, 
that Tyrese John-Jules and Miguel Aziz have returned to the club on loan. Uh, we talked a little bit about Matega and Duzi Arsenal also being linked with a move for Jeannie Wijnaldum and Donny van der Beek. Right, let's take some of your questions. Uh, big hello to Ini Inyang as well, uh, who joins us from Minnesota. Glad to be in the live. Hope you're well, man. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen you in the chat, so welcome back. Uh, glad, good to see you on a live. Uh, Riddy Sarkar says, Harry, where do you think we'll finish if we don't sign a striker this month? It's 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 so dependent on whether we can keep Alexander Lacazette fit, keep him firing at the level that he is now, keep him performing at this high level. Um, and, and, you know, I, I, look, I think we can finish in the top four. I, I do. I think that we have that capability. But, of course, there's a long way to go. And I think, as I've said time and time again, my view on where Arsenal should be finishing at the start of the season was within the top six. That hasn't really changed. I know we're kind of overperforming to that metric at this moment in time, but I still see things from this Arsenal team and I still think the lack of depth in this Arsenal squad at times um, is a cause for concern and is a reason for me why I think that there's a good chance we don't make the top four. But top six is, is I think, a must. I think fifth or sixth, as Rudy says in the chat, is is what Arsenal need to be aiming for Fourth would be a wonderful season. Anything below sixth would be a disaster, uh, given the investment and given sort of the position that we're in at present. Uh, let's see what else we've got. Um, Palash says, do you think the Liverpool game will go ahead? This is an interesting one because I had a little bit of a chat with Dan about this yesterday. Um, there are reports, there are rumours, there are discussions around whether or not Arsenal are going to be able to field a team for this Carabao Cup semi-final second leg. And yeah, you know, I think when you consider the position we were in on Sunday, you know, it's not an awful, it's not an awfully big gap, is it, between, uh, you know, Thursday and Sunday um, to get that done, to, uh, to to get that done, to get things sorted, to make things right. So, yeah, I, I think the game probably will go ahead at this stage. I haven't heard anything to indicate that it won't. Um, but of course, these things can change. And, and this is a very fluid situation. We heard of a lot of additional knocks that were picked up during the first leg against Liverpool. You'd hope that they're exactly that knocks and therefore those players will be able to make it back uh, in a lot of instances. But of course, we don't know. And of course, we don't know if anybody between now and then is going to pick up COVID. We were made aware that post the uh, application to postpone the Spurs game, Arsenal had another COVID case within the camp. So uh, that's a second one. But we don't know. Um, what the situation is at this moment in time. I'm sure we'll hear from Mikel Arteta in the coming days and, and maybe get a better indication of um, whether or not that game will go ahead. Let's see uh, what else we've got. Uh, Mint says, why do you think we're haggling with Juve when there are other players available, i.e. Bissouma, Gimaraish and Zakaria? Um, with the exception of Zakaria, who we believe to be uh, available for a, a pretty decent amount of money because of his contract situation, to take uh, Yves Bissouma away from Brighton, you're going to have to break the bank. And likewise, to bring Bruno Guimaraes from Lyon. I, I don't think Lyon would be as accepting of the we'll loan him and pay you in the summer uh, kind of approach as they would from an Italian side, because everybody knows that the Premier League sides are in a much stronger financial position. And everybody knows uh, that the Premier League sides, uh, you know, are are likely, um, you know, to 
to be willing, I guess, or, or able to pay that little bit more. So there is a premium, I think, when you're a Premier League side and you're bu- and you're buying players uh, from abroad, but even more so when you're buying them from your fellow Premier League clubs. And I think Brighton to lose Bissouma at this stage in the season would 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 be damaging to them, and therefore I think they'd want to be compensated. So I think those deals are deals that require a substantial investment as opposed to this loan deal that we're trying to work out with Juventus. We've spotted a player who obviously Arteta and Edu feel would be a good fit, who is out of favour and therefore there's likely or more likely to be an appetite from his current club to allow him to leave under the terms that suit everybody at this moment in time. But I think it's to do with money. I think it's to do with investment, um, if I'm being honest. Uh, What else have we got? Um, Matt says, Harry, how much do you think Artur is worth? Um, it's a difficult one, mate, because obviously he went for big money um, from Barca to Juve. It was reported to be around about 70 million euros, as I said at the top of the show. But that was, there was a lot of question marks around that deal, right? Because it was a deal that saw Miril and Pjanic move the other way. And a lot of people felt that Juve and Barca were playing a bit of a game with their books. And essentially, um, while they dressed it up as two direct transfers, so Pjanic uh, from Juve to Barca and Arthur from Barca to Juve, actually it was a swap deal. Um, but the way they kind of made it look was was a way in which it suited their books and it suited their financial uh, kind of situation. So I think when you take that into consideration, I think it was over the top. I don't think Artur was worth 70 million euros at that point. Um, but I do think he showed promise at Barcelona. I know a lot of people have, have said that he, he didn't. I, I disagree with that. I think he was pretty good at Barca. Um, and actually, when Juve signed him, I was one of those people that went, that's a pretty decent signing. And that's a bit of a statement signing because he was up and coming at Barca. He was really showing himself. And you thought, well, this is a bit of a shift in power where a Serie A giant is able to pinch a La Liga giant. That's not uh, La Liga giant's player. That's not something that you saw uh, too often in over the last decade or so. But um, I've gone around the houses. But to answer your question, I'd say he's probably worth around £35 million. Pounds. Um I think that's fair. I think that's reasonable. And I think if there was an obligation to buy clause in there for a round about that, that Arsenal might be interested in it. But at this moment in time, from what I'm led to believe, Juventus are asking for a little bit more than that. And as I said to you right at the top, it's because I believe they're trying to offset as much of that, as much of what they see as a loss uh, in this deal. And they want to make sure that they protect themselves and bring that as much of that money as they possibly can back in through the doors. So, um, yeah, I'd say he's probably around the, worth around about £35 million. I think that's a fair amount. But again, look, you know, whether that's a decent fee or not, Arsenal will probably be reluctant to pay that, given that they're not going to get a great deal of time with him. We're coming towards the end of January. You know, it's going to be a bit like the Odegaard situation. And unfortunately, Odegaard was able to convince Arsenal during that short period that he was the right man. And, I, and as I said to you guys, throughout the summer, he was always the number one target. And that deal got done. But it didn't get done straight away. It took time. Arsenal had to haggle, had to go back and forward with Real Madrid, who I believe were looking out for uh, alternative interest, hoping that they could squeeze a little bit more money out for the Norwegian. And in the end, they caved. And I think Juve might cave at the end of this window. But it's when they're not in a position where they're desperate, and when they're not in a position where it brings them immediate financial gain to let him go, like this, where Arsenal are proposing a loan, then you're going to see these things take time and rumble on. 
but yeah. Uh, Jen Tao says, uh, are we leading the race for Vinaldum? According to the Telegraph, Arsenal is his preferred destination. I don't know that we are, uh, Jen Tao. I've got to be honest with you. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to lie. Uh, I don't want to kind of, um, you know, paint a false picture of what's going on with Genie Vinaldum. He's a player that is unhappy at Paris Saint-Germain. Uh, he's a player who's not really uh, hit the ground running. It hasn't really worked out for him since he left Liverpool to go there. There was a lot of speculation around his Liverpool future. Would he or wouldn't he sign that new contract? He didn't in the end. He joined Paris Saint-Germain. Um, look, I think he's a good player and a player I'd, I'd welcome at Arsenal with open arms. But um, I don't know that to be true. I've got to be honest. Let's see what else we've got. Uh, Jim Housen says, considering the issues with the Pepe transfer, should Arsenal walk away from the Vlavic deal? which could end very similarly. Um, I don't know, Jim. It, it's a tough one. I think that with Vlavic, he's obviously a hot property at the moment. Obviously, there's going to be a premium uh, involved in bringing him to the club. I think at the same time, I think there are always transfers that that have a risk. Every transfer has risk. And there are some that carry a lot more risk. Obviously, the greater the investment, the greater the risk. But what I would say is I trust in the club today to profile the right players and bring in the right players more than I did the club at the time where Pepe came in. Um, you know, one of the, the big reasons that Raul Sanley was moved out the door was because it was found that uh, after an internal kind of investigation that he'd overpaid for players and that some of the deals he'd done were questionable. And I think the biggest one that you could look at there was was Nicolas Pepe. And I, and I feel sorry for the player in a lot of ways because he bared the brunt of that of being the guy that Arsenal paid such a huge amount of money for and then having to shoulder that responsibility, I think it's really weighed him down. And um, and and I think always there's going to be an element of that when you bring in a player for such a big fee. But as I say, I trust Arsenal that if they are profiling Vlavic as, as one of the guys that would fit in and, and will lead our line for many years to come, I trust them that it's going to be a better decision than the Pepe one was in comparison to the monetary value of the deal. And also... I just think, Jim, that we, we can't sit here and say the club lack ambition and the club are not moving in the right direction and then be too cautious when they're obviously willing to break the bank to bring someone in. As fans, I think we should kind of hold fire on saying it's over the top uh, or it's not because we we will only know that when the player puts on the shirt and starts playing. And I think, you know, for example, Ben White, I think when you watch his performance, at Anfield the other night, you'd say fifty million pounds for Ben White is is probably a, a pretty decent signing. At the time when we offered fifty million pounds for Ben White, I've got to say I was taken aback by it. But I guess the the fee doesn't really matter if the player performs. And I think what we should be looking at is forget the financial side of it just for a minute. And is Vlavic someone that would thrive in this team and in this system? And I think that's more important than the monetary side of it at this moment in time. The money's only an issue if he if he flops, right? Uh, Ginger Ninja Guna says, if we fail to buy January and finish seventh, do Arteta and Edu have to go? I feel we won't get anyone, but we need two new signings at least in this window. Look, if we finish outside of the top six, I think there's going to be serious questions, yeah. Um, you know, I think there'll be serious questions asked of both Mikel Arteta, of Edu, et cetera, et cetera. But the big, the big thing for me here is, and and somebody brought this up in the comments on one of the streams we did yesterday, and I thought this was a great point, was are we being 
unrealistic about what we're asking Arsenal to do. When you think we brought in, I think, seven players in the summer. Is it seven? Six or seven? Seven. I think we brought in seven players in the summer. When you think about the fact that we did that, seven players in the summer, and then you're asking for another two in January, is it realistic to expect a football club within a singular season to sign nine players, to bring you in nine players, all of whom you believe are the future fit for purpose and with none of them being regarded as stopgaps and backups? I don't know. And and I'd never really thought of it that way. And that's why I thought when it was brought up in the chat, it was a it was a wonderful comment and a and a comment that really kind of um you know made me think. Are we asking too much of Arsenal? Nine players is what a lot of Arsenal fans are asking for within the space of 12 months. Within the space of seven, eight months. I think it might be, and, and I think we maybe need to curb our expectations of what Arsenal can actually achieve during this window because we're more than halfway through it and there's not been any significant movement as of yet. Um, moving the likes of Pablo Maria on loan, like we believe is, is going to be the case. Moving people like, say, Kalasinac on following Balogun uh, out on loan as well. Arsenal are in a place, uh, Maitland-Niles too, Arsenal are in a place where I think they're clearing space for the next round of recruitment. But can that recruitment take place this month? Not 100% sure. But for me, regardless of the recruitment and regardless of what is done, finishing seventh is not acceptable and, and serious questions do need to be asked. Uh, question from the Wandering Mitchell. Should we only look for a midfielder and leave the striker as we are? As I've said time and time again, man, I think that, um, I think that we can only... Um, or I think we should only go and break the bank for a striker if it's the striker that we want. If it's the Dusan Vlavic mould, someone that we feel is going to be the guy for years to come and the guy that Arsenal have put their faith in, then go and do it. Try and do it. If you can do it financially, make it happen. But if you could only sign one player this month and it's not going to be a player that you see as being the long-term future of the club, then I think you now... Uh, need to look to that midfield position and, and tidy that up first. Uh, big hello to MD, who joins us from Nigeria, says he thinks we should offer Lacquer a two-year deal. I, I think we should offer Lacquer an extension as well, but that doesn't really solve, I guess, the issue in the interim because we are short in that area of the pitch. Andrew Ryan says, don't go there with under six spot. Uh, Perth from Perth, Australia. Great show, Harry. Yeah, I don't want to go there. Believe me, I don't. Um, I am... Um, Oh, can you guys hear some background music? Apologies for that. Uh, oh, it was the, you know what it was? I had the uh, the transfer marked tab open, for God's sake. <laughs> and I didn't mute it. Great. That'll come through on the podcast now as well. Oh, well, but hopefully it wasn't too loud. Um, and you can, uh, you can survive. Anyway, listen, uh, I'm going to just take one more question only because I am pushed for time. But we are going to be back uh, later on at 5 p.m. Myself and Mike Stavrou. We'll be taking you um, through some Arsenal talk this evening, 5 p.m. UK time, right here, live on the channel. Myself and Mike will be talking about whether or not we should be preparing ourselves for an underwhelming window and discussing uh, that, that theory and that point around whether or not we're asking too much of the football club to, uh, in this month. Uh, let me just take... Um, 
one more. Uh, let me take this one from Jid. Uh, do you think our finishing position is more important than the clear progress, positivity and feel-good factor this season has generated? I think that's part of seeing the progress, Jid. Um, so for me, when I come to evaluating the season at the end of the season, I'll look at a number of things. I'll look at the performances. I'll look at the players that we've brought in and whether or not they've done well. I'll look at uh, that mood and the feel-good factor, as you say, because I think that's really important. It's certainly important to me on a personal level. And I think we'll have to look at the bigger picture. You know, if we finish seventh and we were a point behind sixth, then obviously that's still not acceptable to me, but it's a lot different to finishing seventh than we were six points off of six. Do you see what I mean? So I think you have to factor in everything and try and understand and work out whether there's been, I guess, enough progress. I think there has been progress, even at this stage in the season. I think you can see that. You look at where we are now. We're in contention for the top four. We're in contention to qualify for the European places. We're in a semi-final uh, of a cup with a, a real opportunity to book a place in the final. I think you have to say there's been progress. It's just whether that's enough for people. And that will be the big debate and the big talking point come the end of the season. Right. Uh, don't forget, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you hit that like button. There's over 250 of you with us live on YouTube right now, but we've only got 66 likes on the board. What is going on? Hit that like button. Please do smash it. Uh, get it up to 100 likes ASAP. It really, really does help. And make sure that you are subscribed to the channel if you haven't done so already. If you want to become a member, you can join us on our weekly members podcast. Uh, the first episode was uh, done on Sunday. Check it out. Really, really enjoyed chatting to some of the guys. And I look forward to chatting to some more of you uh, this coming week as well. So please do uh, consider becoming a member of the channel. It really does help and it supports me and it supports me in you know, as a freelancer, spending uh, more time on this channel, which is ultimately what I want to be doing. So hit the like button, subscribe. You know the drill by now. Uh, don't forget to check out our sponsors, Athletic Greens. Uh, and if you visit the link in the uh, description, you can get a special offer on some of their products. So please do check that out. And we'll be back very, very soon with more. Until next time. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.